Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course, my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years Years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to get better in all areas of life, from wellness and mental health to career and relationships and so much more. I know getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when you can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menunos. Hello, Better Together with Maria Menunos fans. Yeah, it's not Maria Menunos, it's Mr. Maria Menunos. Still sitting in for my beautiful and talented wife. And killing it. Well. Kelsey's killing it. Oh, well, I think you're killing it, Kelsey. I like bringing in Kelsey Alexandra Meyer to our intro. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you for that. I'm really excited. I mean, tonight's, uh, today's episode. Oh, um, so excited. Probably, yeah, one of the most anticipated for me personally. Oh, yeah. I've seen this man speak at Tony Robbins, and uh, he had me from go, and uh, I, I just can't even imagine all the... What he's gone through, but all the lessons he can share with us. I know I got so much from him, and I'm hoping that everyone else does too. But I guess if they don't, I can have one just for me. But I have a funny feeling people are going to just love this. The oh, biggest yeah. the biggest disability is a bad mindset. Now, of course, that's just on the surface. It's like, okay, whatever. Like, okay, but when you hear Nick's story, mm-hmm. you'll understand what mm-hmm. that really means. Nick Santanastasso was born with Hanhart Syndrome. A rare condition that prevents his limbs from fully growing and takes most people's lives by adolescence, unless you're Nick. Born with one arm and no legs and parents who would never let him quit or take pity on him, Nick went on to be a varsity high school wrestler and bodybuilder. Today he is an entrepreneur and motivational speaker whose story and presence is humbling and simply awe-inspiring. His will and heart are testaments to the greatness of human spirit. Better together in the Heel Squad, welcome Nick Santanastasso. Nick. Thank you so much for being here today. Look at you. I'm excited. Thanks for having me. Let's uh, let's some, drop some bombs today. Let's do. <laughs> let's, let's do. do it. Oh my god. Let's do it. Yeah, Nick. I um, I'll try to hold back my tears, but your story had me bawling like a baby um, when you spoke to us at Tony Robbins, and uh, and I think of you so often now. Anytime Nick had one line, and he said, "You know, for you, for most of you, you." you you get to go to the gym Uh, i mean think of what it takes for him with you know and he'll tell his story to be able to get to the gym and to work out and he becomes a bodybuilder and he's ripped and he's got this great body and i always go back to you in my brain and it's almost the healthiest form of shaming from the healthy form where i go wait if look at nick and look at what all things god gave me and why am i ever feeling down or sorry for myself or Anyway, I'm 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 rambling only because like you do you move me so much, my friend. And yeah, let's start with your story. Let's start, you know, from the time you're born. And by the way, I'm as big a fan of your parents as I am of you, because I think they did everything I wouldn't have done as a parent. I think I would have been overprotective. I would have been sheltering. I would have. But let's yeah, let's just start from there, Nick. And thank you again for being here. Yeah, you got it. Uh, absolutely. So. Yeah, from from uh, way back when, um, I'm, I just turned 25, May 20th, so it was just my birthday. And so in 1996, um, my parents went in for a late ultrasound and they sat them down and they pulled up the ultrasound and the doctor started freaking out. And my parents are freaking out. They're like, what's going on? And they said, well, from the looks of it, it doesn't look like your baby's limbs are being developed. 
It looks like he's missing his legs, his arm. He might have a cleft palate. And they painted a very dark picture of what this baby would look like to my parents. And in that moment, as you mentioned, they classified me with Hanhart syndrome. And what Hanhart syndrome is, is a super rare genetic disorder that either leaves the babies with undeveloped limbs or undeveloped organs. And so at the time of my birth, I was the 12th baby in medical history that they've ever seen this happen to. And out of the 12, eight of them have passed away due to undeveloped organs. And so in that moment, you know, as a parent, like, what do you do? And in the moment, um, they told my parents I had about a 30% chance to live. And my parents made a, a pretty massive promise. And that promise was that they were going to have faith, God, the universe, whatever you believe in, have faith and focus their energy on the 30% rather than the 70%. Now, the reason being one is focusing on the negative will never serve you. But talking about the brain, what you focus on, you'll get more of. And so what I mean by that is, to be honest, say my mom constantly focused on the 70% chance of her little baby passing away, I think we can all agree that she would be she would be full with anxiety, uncertainty, stress. And then, you know, the, the cortisol levels in the body, they would be higher and she probably wouldn't wouldn't have been a great environment to host a child. Does that make sense? And so with her tending to tend to focus on the positive, I think that also went into play of me surviving birth, if that makes sense. Yes. Wow. So I know parents and I would not judge them for saying maybe terminate at that point. Yeah, th this was that was one of the one of the choices that they offered my parents um, was, you know, maybe you, you probably shouldn't go along with this birth. And my mom was like, absolutely not. Um, we're going to see what happens, see what this baby's made of. Um, and I was born and they rushed, rushed me over and did tests on my organs and my organs came back 100 percent healthy. And the only thing that was affected were my limbs. And so as you can see, I'm a unicorn born with no legs and one arm. And um, my, the doctors gave my parents a real long list of all limitations. Um, he'll never be able to feed himself, dress himself, be independent. You'll have to take care of him for the rest of your life. And my parents were like, screw you. We'll see what this kid is truly capable of doing. And so as you mentioned, wow. um, my parents, my biggest advantage my parents had was they treated me normal. And so I had three siblings, you know, three siblings. I had two sisters and one brother. Just like everyone here, I got beat up by my siblings, wrestling moves, all that. And um, I think two very important things that my parents instilled in me were, one, I developed an, uh, an empowering relationship with failure at an early age. And so my parents, like, pushed me to fail. And so they would put my clothes in front of me, and they would say, figure it out. And they wouldn't do the work for me. And that's difficult. You know, I'm not a parent, but... As being a parent, that's extremely difficult to see your kid struggle and fall on its face. And in the moment, I'm pissed off. I'm like, what are, what are we doing here? Right? And then they finally figure out how to, how to dress myself. And then they put me in my high chair and they put food there with a spoon. And they say, okay, figure it out. And they give me verbal suggestions, but they never do the work for me. And so I got very familiar with failure. And in my mind, I was conditioned that it wasn't a bad thing, but it actually pushed me to growth. And that's extremely important because – business entrepreneur entrepreneurship or relationship all areas of your life if you're afraid of failure failure you never lean into the uncertainty or you're you'll never lean into the uncomfortable things or you'll get to the end of your life and you may look back and regret and say i wonder if i wonder if i tried that business i wonder if i took a shot at that girl you know what i'm saying and so mm -hmm. having a an empowering relationship with failure even for the parents that are listening is like asking your kids you know what you fail at today and, and having them develop, like, it's not a scary thing, but it's there for massive growth. So I think that was one of the biggest takeaways that I had as a, a young kid. And, and as for our audio listeners, it, it, you have, yes, you have one arm, but you don't have, you, you only, it seems like you only have one finger. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no legs, one arm. I have a short, a short arm on my right side. We call it the, the potato. And then uh, on the left side, uh, I have just uh, one finger. Amazing. When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. <laughs> and that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but 
It's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're going to love it. Okay, so then we end up in elementary school and school and, and, and tell me what that experience is like. Yeah, so... Uh, being being a young kid is an interesting time for a lot of reasons. I think one of the most powerful things is most of our beliefs, our belief system was created between zero and seven years old. And so during that time, your brain is, is mostly in theta state, which is basically opening up the door to your unconscious. Everything is programmed and conditioned during zero and seven years old. And so, for example, for those that are listening, um, you know, if, if you ever grew up, and, and this isn't a poke at anyone because we, we're all a, a product of our environment, but if you've ever at an early age heard your parents say, you know, money doesn't grow on trees or money's hard to get or we can't afford that, these are where your beliefs are stem, stem from. Or if you were in school, say you're in school and you were, you were a, a specific learner. We all know there's different tastes of learning or kids have different tastes of learning and say you were struggling in school that you struggling in school may stem a belief that you're not a good student or you're not smart, but the truth is you learn differently. So this is why our, our childhood is very important time. And so for me, by the time I got into middle school and high school, I realized that I was different. Um, early on, I just realized, I thought I was just a kid living life until other people let me know it was different. And there was specific moments and I'll go into this. There were specific moments where females that really stemmed really bad beliefs about myself. And so for example, there was a moment where I was on the school bus. I was in middle school and there was a girl to the left of me and she was making fun of everyone. And I'm like, oh man, she's going to have a field day with me. And she gets over to me and I look over to the left and she looks at me and she goes, Nick, I don't even have to start with you. You're already too messed up anyway. Look at you. And I'm a, I'm a 14, 15 year old kid, you know? And so the first question that goes off in my head is why me? And then what we do as humans is we stack thoughts. And so you can stack thoughts in a negative way or you can stack thoughts in a positive way. And so for example, when that girl said that to me, I started stacking thoughts and the thoughts that I came up with were, you're right, Nick, you're disgusting. Girls don't like you because you have no legs and one arm. You'll never have a girlfriend. You'll never walk into a locker. And these are where negative beliefs about women, love, relationships, and my body came into play. Does that make sense? Yes. Hey, Hill Squad and Better Together fam. It's been a tough year, but we hear from so many of you just how much our content is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. Our team works so hard to deliver this life-changing content, and a lot of you guys ask, how can I have a bigger role in our Heal Squad community, or how can I do my part to help Better Together continue to uplift even more people? First of all, thank you for that sentiment, and we're so grateful for this community. If you could help us by giving us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts. That's amazing. Second, you could join the Better Together with Maria Menounos Facebook group and Instagram page. Third, you could share the show with a friend in need. And finally, for as little as $10 a month, please join our Patreon to get monthly live heal events with world-class healers, ad-free episodes of our show, and even weekly bonus episodes exclusive to Patreon. Getting better isn't easy, but it is a whole lot better when we can do it together. We love and appreciate and are so grateful for all of you. And so it wasn't until, by the way, and I struggled with that for, for years, and it wasn't until I learned the tool of reframing, which you may know the tool of reframing. And reframing is simply, I can have a tragic event happen in my life, and you can have the same tragic event happen in yours. You can see all the good, I can see all the bad. It's where our focus is, and it's the meaning we attach behind that event. And so I struggled with body image, relationships, love, all that stuff until I was probably 19 or 20 years old, and I asked myself a different question. And so instead of asking myself, you know, why am I born with no legs and one arm, and why is this the biggest curse I have in my life? I said, well, what's good about this? And, and the reason why questions are so important for those that are listening is the quality of your life comes down to the quality of the questions you ask yourself on a day-to-day basis. The reason being is because your brain is a problem-solving mechanism. And every time you ask your brain a question, it gives you an answer. So if you ask a terrible question, what kind of answer do you get? A terrible one. And so I asked a better question and I said, what's good about this? What's the positive? What's the gift? And when I, and I realized in that moment, I said, 
what if this disability is actually working for me? And every time someone doesn't want to love on me, every time someone doesn't want to be in a relationship with me, every time someone doesn't want to be a friend, friends with me because of my no legs and one arm, that it's actually the universe, God, filtering out the type of women and men that I don't want in my life anymore. And then my life changed because I realized that this was a, a, a human filter and then I can just be myself. And if people don't like me because my physical differences, then there's the door. It's an easy sign. You're not the type of person I want to be with. And my life changed. And so change your story, change your life change the meaning around things and you may see it a little bit differently. I mean, and you had this breakthrough at 19 and 20, you had this realization. It took, it took me, it took me years. I mean, for the majority, I'm 25 for the majority of my life. I thought my body was the biggest curse, the most disgusting thing that can happen to me because I was focused on all the things that I couldn't do, all the things that I didn't have rather than focusing on the things that I could become or focusing on the things that actually help me. You know, for example, like being born with no legs or an arm. Now, when I walk out on a stage or hop out on a stage or I'm in a room, I lower people's, you know, they're not skeptic because I hop the hop, I talk the talk. There's really no smoke and mirrors with me. And so it's one of my greatest tools or greatest forms of influence to connect with people like you on a deeper level. So over my, my years of life, I found more gifts than negative with my, my no legs or an arm. Okay, I have to do. We have the show Regular Guy Friday. We do once a week where we're not as sophisticated. So, I have a Regular Guy Friday question. What what became of the fourteen year old monster that would ask that question? If you do, we know on Facebook or anything, what happened to that girl? Oh, that girl. Yeah. Um, yeah where, whereabouts she, unknown or what? She's probably still lives in town, doing the same stuff, living the same life. I mean, maybe but, I'd maybe, like to think she grew. Maybe, you know what I mean. <laughs> But yeah, and, and, and what's really important as well, and I didn't see this as a young kid, but what we what we need to realize is we need to have compassion and empathy for these type of people. The reason being is because the bottom line is they're doing the best they can with what they know in their conditioning. Meaning, she grew up, she probably didn't know better. She probably struggled in her life. She probably didn't have the right upbringing, not the perfect upbringing, right? Maybe her parents didn't have the right conditioning. They did the best they could with what they got. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so at first I like, I'm like, what a B word, you know, this, this girl's terrible and this and that. But as I grow and I mature, I actually have compassion and I feel for her because she only knows what she knows. Yeah, exactly. And I think that helps that tool helps you even if for people out there that have um, struggle with anger, or um, against other people, I think that's a really great and useful tool to relieve yourself of that, you know, when you have empathy yeah. for those people. Um, yeah, liberating, you know? Yes. Nick, tell, tell everyone about your journey with um, amateur wrestling in high school. Yeah. I love this story. Yeah, so my, um, my older brother, he, he passed away a little bit over a year ago. And um, I'm he was so sorry. Older. Wait, Nick. I'm wait. How what, how did that happen? Yeah, my my brother my brother overdosed. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um. So we can we can talk about a few pandemics. Um. Fears of pandemic, and so is uh, opioids and heroin. And so um, that was just a constant battle. But growing up, my brother was always always my role model. I just wanted to be like him. Always practicing wrestling moves on me, and. Um, when I got into high school, all my best friends are wrestlers. My older brother had graduated, but was like, man, you should become a wrestler. And I had a, I had a little challenge. And my challenge was that this arm, for those that are listening, is my right arm. It's a shorter arm, but it was actually five inches longer than it is now. And my bone was growing faster than my skin. So it was super sensitive. And the bottom line is, if I would have hit my arm hard enough, my bone would have came through my skin. And so going back to childhood also one of the things that was engraved in me was becoming solution oriented focusing on the solution rather than the problem by the way for the entrepreneurs out there for the people that want to make more impact you want to make more impact solve a bigger problem in the world you want to make more money solve a bigger problem in the world so becoming solution oriented and so i was thinking about all the ways that i could become a wrestler because as a 15 16 17 year old kid i said if i could become a wrestler maybe the girls will like me if i become a wrestler i'll get in shape if I become a wrestler, I'll be with my friends rather than spending alone time in my room being sad. And so this was a very, um, a big goal and something that I really, really wanted to do. And so I came home one day and I sat my parents down. And I said, I want to become a wrestler. 
And my mom's like, oh, no, God forbid, wrestling's the most physical sport. You hit your arm, your bone comes through your skin. What are you going to do? And I asked them if we can cut my arm off. And they, yeah, they looked at me like that. They said, yeah, you know, what do you mean? I said, yeah, can we cut my arm off? Can we do something about it? And they said, is this something that you really want to do? And I said, absolutely. And to give you some context, when I was born, the doctors wanted to do a bunch of things to me. They wanted to chop my finger off. They said it was useless. They wanted to put, you know, metal rods in my, in my quads and then lengthen the bones so one day I can have prosthetics. And my parents denied all of this because they said that's Nick's choice and he doesn't have a voice yet. I'm not going to do that to my son. It's not my choice. And so when I became a junior in high school and I presented the solution or the, the opportunity to amputate my arm, um, they were all for it. And so my junior year, the doctors um, lasered five inches of my arm off and they did a, a skin graft where they pull extra skin from up on my shoulder. They pull it over the bone so I could beat people up with my arm because I needed to be able to do some physical activities with it. And so I came back my junior year. I became a wrestler. I was, um, I was JV, which is not your starting lineup. And then my senior year, I became the varsity 106-pound wrestler for my high school. And um, that was a pivotal moment for me because it was the first moment that I felt fulfillment. And, and what I mean by that is, one, I did something that I said I was going to do, so that made me feel good. But also, there was a moment where I came off the mat after losing. I wasn't very good. I was like two and seventeen. Yeah, I think we're leaving. I think you're leaving out a, a lot, Nick, because you, you. Which again, thank you for compressing. You're a great um, guest and storyteller for this. But I, I want you to indulge us in the actual journey because it wasn't like you showed up and you tried out. You made the team, and then you know you went on to be with the guys and have like a you know your yeah. your record. I mean, it was. It was a lot of setbacks. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So my my junior year, I, I came in and I came into the wrestling team, and I told all my friends. I said, like, do not hold back on me. Like, I don't care if you feel bad for me, whatever it is. If you're a true friend, beat me up because if you beat me up, I'll become a better wrestler. If you go fifty percent in the room and then I go on the mat and the guy's going one hundred and ten percent, I'm going to lose. It's not going to work. And so, asking you shall receive. I got my butt kicked. All right, friends. Let's talk about something we all do: snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days, and I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor, and it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios, and then I got addicted, and now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. Hey. They uh, beat me up good, and it was really difficult because I knew nothing about wrestling, and yeah, I have some setbacks. Um, but even in wrestling, I was focusing on what I could do. Um, you know, how can how can I drill my head into your knee so you go down faster? You know, I was thinking about all the things that I could be, do as a as a guy with no legs, one arm. And so, I got my butt kicked junior year. Is really bad. I was one in twenty, and my only win was my coach putting me out for a varsity forfeit so I can get a win in my varsity jacket. And to me. Um, things feel better when we earn them. And so I was like, eh, I don't want this. I want to beat someone up legit and get my jacket. And so senior year came along and um, the 106 spot happened to open up. Um, I, I talk about moments of being guided. The one, the 106 pounder that was in varsity, um, he actually like failed out, like his grades were bad. And so guess who was ready to fill the space? I was. Wow. And so I, 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 I joined as a senior. I'm, I'm, I'm a varsity wrestler. And from there, I had a record of two and 17. And I always tell people that was two more real wins I got the previous year. And that's what we call progress. Yeah. And so humans love the feeling of progress. Right. And we love the feeling of winning. And oftentimes, our lowest and darkest days come from the days where we don't feel like we move the needle forward. Right. And so, um, you know, ups and downs became a, became a varsity wrestler. And like I said, there was a moment where I came off the mat and this lady came up to me crying. And I'm like, oh my God, what did I do wrong? And she said, my daughter's over there on the sideline and she never wanted to do a sport. 
she she doesn't really have confidence but seeing you out there whether you got your butt kicked or not she wants to try track and field or she wants to try this and i really want to thank you and that's when the light bulb went off in my head i had i had a few breakthroughs in that moment the first breakthrough i had was whoa i got a little fuzzy feeling inside and this is called happiness or fulfillment i don't know what it was called then but i was like i want more of this because i helped someone the the second thing that i realized was that i wasn't even trying to focus my energy on helping people i was i was being selfish i'm trying to dig myself out of a hole imagine if i focused my energy on helping people it would probably probably become something and then the third thing that i realized and i also learned this from being in the tony world is that the suffering stops when we serve something greater than ourselves you know humans are always focused on i i want you to meet your needs i want you to you know fill up your own cup but humans are put on this earth to serve something greater than ourselves and there's been so many times where you and i and everybody listening has done an act of kindness for someone else and felt really damn good about it yeah it's because we're designed to do something greater than ourselves sorry <laughs> you just make me so emotional nick man you know uh, amazing and um so you graduate from high school and then t tell us about college. Yeah, yeah. So interesting. I had an interesting journey. And so while I was a senior in high school, there was an app called Vine. And Vine was where you can post six-second videos and people would make funny videos. And I knew what it felt like to be depressed, suicidal, unconfident kid. And so I wanted to create an outlet where I can make people laugh and inspire them at the same time. And so I was thinking about all the ways that I can make a viral video and do something that no one else can replicate. And I decided that I was going to dress up as a, a legless zombie and scare people in Walmart. And so I don't know if anyone knows this. And so my senior year, I went out and I filmed the video and it went, it went like way viral. I mean, in my senior year alone, I gained 1 million followers on Vine by do, doing pranks. Attaboy. And that led me to getting hired by The Walking Dead to scare the main actors in Tokyo, Japan as a prank. It was like my first job. And it was really amazing. And so... The reason why I bring this up is because now, because of all that happened during senior year, I had the I had the choice of going to the only college that I wanted to go to um, with my best friend or going to L.A. because I got invited to be a part of like an impractical Joker show. But it, the whole cast was disabled and you could pull pretty messed up pranks. And so I persuaded my parents to let me move to L.A. as an 18 year old kid. I had about 10 grand to my name from one of my pranks. And um, I moved out to L.A. with a roommate and. I signed my lease and two weeks after I signed my lease, they canceled the show. They never picked it up. And I'm an 18 year old kid. I don't know that that can happen in show business. Yeah. Well, like, I was going to say, welcome to show business. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. I had no idea. And so here I am left with no income and no job. And, and I wasn't, I'm still a baby in business and, and mindset as well. And so like that really put me in a deep, dark slump. And I always heard my dad in the back of my head, like I told you so son, like I should have went to school and I didn't want to like prove him. Right. And so I refused to tell my parents that I was broke and no joke. I was sleeping on, I didn't have a bed. I was sleeping on um, my laundry and a pile of towels and my go-to meals were um, peanut butter and tortillas and a cup of noodle. Cause it filled me up at night. And I have, and this is a journey and I, and I suggest we all adopt this muscle. I've adopted this muscle of always finding the gift in every situation because without that you'll live a very terrible life. You know, you always have to find the learnings in, in, in the mess, right? And so going broke in LA was one of the greatest gifts um, I, I was given because one, despite being rich, poor, whatever it may be, I now know that I can live with absolutely nothing. I've experienced it. And I'm grateful that I experienced it because you can throw away my business, you can throw away my life, I can go back to sleeping on a pile of towels and I'm like, I've been here before. That's it's right. right, that's right, you got it. Yeah, and um, the second thing was that I realized that most people never take shots on their dreams. No. Most people never take a shot on themselves. They, you know, we, we, we go to Vegas and we, we, we bet at blackjack and we bet on poker, but we never bet on ourselves. Why is that? And so I applauded myself for taking a shot and betting on myself. And I applauded that because most people don't. And so I, uh, I moved back home, which every kid wants to do. I moved back home with my parents into my basement and I said, what's next? And from there, I, I wanted to be in shape. I wanted to do something in bodybuilding. And I knew that if I could become a bodybuilder, one, people said I couldn't do it. So if I proved them wrong, it'd be pretty damn cool. The second thing I realized is you can't buy a fit body. 
No. And so if you see a guy with no legs of an arm and he's in shape, I may be able to monetize it. I may be able to promote it, but I'll blow people away because it's never been done before. Lucky me. Right. And so I became a bodybuilder. Even like people are like, Nick, you can't become a bodybuilder. You have no legs. And I'm like, most bodybuilders skip leg day anyway. I'll yeah, sit right always. In. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so I, I became a bodybuilder, but going into the nitty gritty is I've been taught and, and you know, as well, that if you want something and you want it quicker, go find someone who has the results that you want. Yep. Take my coach. whole career, my whole life is modeling. My whole life is modeling. You know, like, yeah, let, I, a, you know what, Nick, do me a favor. Def I love this because I, I always say take Coke, make Pepsi, take, take, uh, take Cadillac, make Lexus. But I like the term modeling. Can you define modeling for us? Because I think so few people apply this and it's, it's so effective. Yeah. yeah. So, so modeling, let, let me shoot it straight. There's too many people out there that are taking fit health and fitness advice from people who are overweight. There's too many people that are taking relationship advice from people who have toxic relationships. And there's too many people taking financial advice from people who can't rub two pennies together. Yeah. And so if you want real results, find someone who has the life or results that you want and then go learn from them, analyze them. What are they doing right? What are they doing wrong? And the reason why this is so important is because our time and our energy are our two most valuable assets. The reason being is because we don't get them back. And so instead of trying to create your own wheel and try to find all the knowledge yourself, Go find someone who's done it and let them condense your journey. You know, that's what coaches and, 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 and teachers do is they teach you the step-by-steps because they've already been there. That's it. Model. Model the best. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You just have to make it smoother. And so if I wanted to be in shape, what did I do? I found people who were in shape. What do you do? What does your diet look like? What does your training look like? But there was a catch because I can't lift like everyone else. Unfortunately, there wasn't a book that said, man, but no legs on arm. This is how you bodybuild. So I had to figure it out on my own. And so I'm going into the gym and just like life, I'm, I'm trial and error. What works for me? What doesn't work for me? Let me do more of what works for me. Let me do less of what doesn't work for me. You know, but I think what's really important is most people aren't persistent enough to get the results that they want. Talk about that. They don't stay the course long enough. Stay the course. And say so, it all the time. I all the time I go stay the course. I say, yeah, exactly. Even in the times of uncertainty, even if you yes. don't know what you're doing, stay stay the course. Stay the course because you'll never you'll never know. Um, but oftentimes, and and I want to go into like self worth and confidence here because it ties in. Is I'm a big believer in the foundation to your success is your confidence and the relationship you have within yourself. And I'll break it down into one quote: You'll never make more than you think you're worth. That's it. You'll never make more than you think you're worth. Also, you'll never have the, the deep, meaningful relationships if you don't think you're worth it. You'll sabotage it somehow. How many times have you seen people sabotage love because they don't think they're worth it? Same thing with, with financials. If you, if you believe in your identity and your belief that you're a $50,000 a year, guess what? You're a 50. Don't freeze there. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. $1,000 a year. That's it. Same with your body. If you don't think you're worth the six pack or the right physique, you'll never achieve it. And so how we build confidence or self-integrity or self-worth is we follow through on the very things that we say we're going to do. Very simple. I call them non-negotiables. Things in your life that despite what goes on in your business or your personal life, you do them. And when you do them, you celebrate them. So I'll give, I'll give you an analogy. 
say I said, after this interview, meet me at this restaurant at 6 p.m. and we're going to have a date. And you're like, awesome, this is going to be amazing. Bring the dog, it's going to be fantastic. And you show up at 6 p.m. and I don't show up. Hmm. How many times of Nick not showing up to dinner are you going to realize I'm unreliable? Once, twice, maybe three times if you're a pushover. Now let's flip the script on ourselves. How many times of you saying you're going to do something and you don't, are you going to realize you're unreliable? How many times you said you're going to go to the gym, eat healthy, close more deals, build the business, take a shot at your dreams and you don't do it? How many, how many times of you breaking a promise within yourself are you going to realize you're unreliable? Now, the reason why that's important is because when you break a promise with yourself, on an unconscious level, you diminish the way that you view yourself, whether you believe it or not. You diminish your self-integrity, you diminish your confidence, and you diminish your worth. And when you break one promise, is it easier to break two? Three, four, and that's why we download spiral. <laughs> I I love the idea of, you know, going back to how do we build that confidence? Because I think a lot of us don't have that self-worth that we deserve to make this much money. We deserve to be in a great relationship. We deserve to have. Um, so knowing it's one thing, but, you know, building it, building that worth is another. And, and are you suggesting that we just build it by maybe achieving small tasks, small promises. You call them, you can call them non-negotiables or promises. For example, for me, um, I just, I just taught this to my group yesterday. I have the, like the, the victorious five and it would be your gown. And these are just, these are just giving people thought joggers. You don't have to take mine, but it's 45 minutes of movement. I have to do some sort of 45 minutes of movement. I have to, um, set my goals and my intentions for the day in my notebook I have to do at least 15 minutes of meditation or visualization and my gallon of water. Now you can have one, you can have two promises. I don't care what it is, but why this is so important is because remember what I said earlier, humans love the feeling of progress. There's a mass, there's a big quote and learning from Tony, he goes, most people have a dirt road to happiness and a highway to hell. <laughs> and what that means is as humans, we make it really easy for us to feel bad about ourselves. And we make it really difficult for us to feel successful, happy, and fulfilled. Does that make sense? Yes. It's because the rules that you've set up for your life are too hard. So make them easy. You are, you are the captain of your ship, right? And so, for example, you can ask yourself the question, I feel successful when I blank. Fill in the blank. I feel successful when I do a podcast. I feel successful when I move my body for 45 minutes. I feel successful when I do gratitude, meditation, visualization. Make the rules for your life really easy for you to feel good about yourself. You ask people, you know, what do you need to do in order to become successful? They say, all of my kids need to be happy 100% of the time every single day. Is that, is that achievable? No. No? No. It's because the rules are all jacked up. Right. Change your rules, change your life. So to tie that in, what are your non-negotiables? What are your small promises that you're going to keep within yourself? And then when you achieve those pro promises every day, celebrate them. Because the reason why you want to celebrate them is because it's going to rewire your brain to want to win more and to want to follow through more. What's the point of winning if you don't celebrate it? Right. And it's easy to feel like a loser when you don't keep score. Yeah, we, we would criticize Marie and I for a long time, and rightfully so looking back, that we didn't celebrate the wins. We just were always on to the next... And I think that's what really wore Maria down. You know, she wasn't even seeing her money. You know what I mean? It was all being taken care of and put away. And, you know, so, yeah, so important. And again, some some, place I, some places I fell short, so I know from experience. Um, wow. What, what about, what's your advice, Nick, on people who don't know what their calling is in life or what they should do? Because, by the way, I love... I'm going to practice this, the 45 minutes of movement, the 15 minute meditation, intentions in the morning, gallon of water, I love, um, but maybe even some journaling, but, but what, what do you, yeah, do you have advice for people that just don't know what to do or where to start or, or as far as finding their joy? I feel like this pandemic has been such a reset, can be, a, I look at it as a reset and I yeah. feel a lot of people are like, what, what do I, like, okay, it's a reset, so how there's a new world we're going to all come back into or starting to come back into it now and what's my role or 
someone's role going to be in this new world? What's going to give them joy and happiness? But I know with me, I'm having a hard time trying to find it with myself. So I can't even imagine how other people are feeling. I have a lot of things I like to do. It's things that are fun for me, but then there's things I have to do. And uh, I don't know. So, yeah. That's a great question. I would say, and this is pretty interesting, is I believe, it's kind of funny too. I, I believe that as we become adults, that we 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 lose our our inner kid yeah our our curiosity or you know the just the silliness the the happiness that you know when you were a kid just remind you remind yourself of a kid like you can think back right now and so what i mean by that is we become adults and we we leave things in the past that we really enjoy doing and and i'm onto something here i promise is like for example maybe for you as a kid you really enjoy dancing or maybe it was rollerblading or skateboarding or riding your bike, or like something very simple. I would say for those that are listening right now, reflect on what you did as a kid that made you feel really, really good, right? Whether that's volleyball, I don't know what it is. You put something down as an adult, you put it on the side and you said, no more, I'm an adult, I don't do this stuff. Go back to that. You know, and I think during, during even now is a great time to go back to those things. But the reason why I say that as well is because your greatest ideas whether it's business ideas, relationship, I don't care what it is, your greatest ideas come from moments of leisure. Not from when you're in business, not from when you're working. I mean, how many times have you had a great idea in the shower on the toilet? Because you're not thinking right. you're not thinking about anything. You're not thinking about business. You're not thinking about what you have to do. And so I would suggest that you time block or you schedule time in your day-to-day where you're doing something that's just nothing. Just hanging out, whether it's riding a bike, going on a walk dancing to music the reason being is because one you're going to feel damn good about yourself because you're doing something that you forgot as a kid but also you're gonna have ideas that are coming to your head i promise you but also going back to going back to failure people won't know what they enjoy if they don't try you'll never know what really fires you up unless you attempt it and so take my route and just attempt everything i tried everything my my whole life is a bunch of failures led to a success because i failed on my face a million times and i was like oh i like this one Ooh, I like this one. I'll try this one. But imagine if Nick had a fear of failure. I'd never, I'd, I would never go on Vine. If I had a fear of failure, I was scared. I would never attempt bodybuilding. That's just stupid. You have no legs and one arm. You I, know, mean, I would have just stayed. Start with the wrestling. I mean, yeah, wrestling. are yeah. you kidding me? Like Exactly. And wrestling, so, I'm telling you, as a sport, just so everyone knows, is so freaking hard and annoying. You guys <laughs> are the most annoying Fs to have to fight. The worst, like every Kelsey, every bit of leverage and oh, it's just you just want to take a sorry. You just want this is the Italian. I mean, you just want to take a bat out and take them down because so like I would rather fight a boxer than a wrestler any day of the week. And the fact that you went, you had me right there. The fact that you were willing to do that in front, and by the way, in front of an audience of people too. Yeah, yeah. and and that's a great and you brought up that's a great lesson too in the sense of doing the wrestling or doing these things, there needs to be a part of me that needs to drop my ego. Oh. It needs to drop, it needs to drop, like like letting the opinions of other cripple and, and handicap. You know, like, as humans, we give too much power to other people. Oh, don't we? Does that, you know, like, like take back your damn power. Take your power back. Um, you, there, there's so many, to, like, don't don't go throughout life and like, not do something because what are, what are my parents going to think of me? What are my friends going to think of me? What is the world going to think of me? And you're giving anyone else power. You got to yeah. take your power back. I think the majority um, but, of people are crippled by that, Nick. I mean, crippled. Yeah. yeah. And, and what also can help is, you know, my, my brand's victorious and I teach this victory methodology, but we start with V and V stands for vision. If you can create a compelling vision for your life of what it's going to look like, what are you going to have? What are you going to obtain? What are you going to do? Your compelling vision will always outweigh the fear. It'll always outweigh the negative emotions. It'll always outweigh the opinions and all the BS that everyone's going to tell you. If your vision is so compelling, it silences the rest. Can you give me an example of... of I'm sure you've heard about probiotics. We recently partnered with Just Thrive. Tina Anderson is the mastermind behind this extraordinary product. Why do we need a probiotic? 
the world we're living is so disruptive to our gut health, from antibiotics that we take, from Roundup that's sprayed out over our food supply, to stress. We see symptoms like gas and bloating, diarrhea, constipation, skin rashes, autoimmune issues and allergies, mood disorders, so anxiety, depression, all of those types of issues are stemming from our imbalance in our gut. And the thing about Just Thrive Probiotic is you don't have to refrigerate it. To be a probiotic, it needs to be alive in your intestines, not alive in the refrigerator. And most of those probiotics in the refrigerator actually don't make it to the intestines alive, which is the goal. If we couple the Just Thrive Probiotic and the Just Calm, what do we get? We know the probiotic alone is helping with the leakiness of the gut and helping all other types of things in our, with our overall health. But we know now when we add the Just Calm, it's helping with our mood. Guys, Just Thrive is a game changer. If you're ready to take control of constipation, bloat, and stress and live your healthiest life yet, you can get 20% off your first 90-day bottle of Just Calm and Just Thrive probiotic today. Just visit JustThriveHealth.com and use the promo code HEALSQUAD. You won't regret it. Vision that would outweigh fear. Yeah. Let's say you're going into a, a new job. Say you're going into a sales job or say you're going into a business and you don't really know what you're doing, but you have a massive vision of retiring your parents through real estate. Okay. That's now, right. when you go throughout that business and you have your ups and downs and your hiccups and you need to do things that you don't want to do, you can remind yourself of why you're doing what you're doing. Right. Got it. That, see, there's two forms of motivation. We've learned this. There's two forms of motivation. There's push and there's pull. Most people have been pushing their whole life. I'm pushing towards my goals. I'm pushing towards my ambitions. I'm pushing towards my relationships. And then I get burnt out. It's because they don't remind themselves of their vision or they don't have one. But if you have a vision, something that pulls you, you can pull all day. It'll pull you all day. And so having a compelling vision for me, I've, I've even I've even dumbed down or, or simplified my ultimate driving force. And my ultimate driving force in my life is I want to give my parents a life like they gave for me. That's it. That's it. If I don't want to go on a sales call, guess what I'm going to do it because I want to give my parents a life like they gave for me. If I'm going to try something new or, or attempt something new that's really scary, guess what? I'm, I'm going to do it because I want to give my parents yeah. a life like they gave for me. I know this has the ability to do so. It even, does. Even, even me, like I want, to, I want to retire my parents in real estate. I don't know much about real estate, but I'll learn it for them and I'll learn it for me. I know enough, Nick. I'm going to help you with that. Okay, don't, let's do it. <laughs> I, yeah, I will. Don't worry about that. I'm, I'm good at that. No, but I, 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 it's funny. You verbalize when I, my successes and my fails, you've just verbalized many. But I know I worked in the carnival business um, in my summers and um, then even spring and fall to make enough money to go to L.A. to try to break into show business. And I did this for a, a, almost a decade through college and then beyond. And um it was as low a work as you could imagine. I mean, it was ex-cons, heroin addicts, you know, um, you were sleeping under trucks. It was 20, the average days were about 20 hours a day, honestly. And you, if you didn't work, you didn't make money because the carnivals were around in the, with the warm weather, you know, so in the, in New England or the East Coast. So it was brutal. But what I know, always, what you just said, I wasn't aware of it, but I was like, no, I'm going to L.A. to, breaking the show business and this is my way to do it and so that was always always in my head and that's why and I had more friends and family like why do you take this stupid job because I took the job serious I really did try to make it a better business for the people I worked for they we all became a family a lot of the underprivileged kids were we're still like they're the way they are my brothers um and sisters you know we're still so close but I just, in my back of my head, I was like, this is going to get me where I want to be. And that's it. And you're right. And I never, I wasn't as evolved as you to, to put that in that way. But now, thank you for, again, one of many gifts, because I will use this now for myself. It's like, what? And I'm even thinking with Maria. Maria was like you. She was like, I just want to take care of my parents. That was it. Yeah. That was it. And the, I think the, maybe the issue was with Maria, and I want to share this with her, and I can't wait for you guys to meet. But I think with Maria, she accomplished that at almost 25. She was your age. I mean, really, that, you know, and then so then it was like, what's next? What's the next vision? And there was a lot of Hollywood toxicity and and probably past traumas that prevented her from creating a new vision. That's what she's working on now. Yeah. But I love that a, that a vision will, yeah. That's so, yeah. it's like a um, almost like a uh, 
a lighthouse or a beacon out there that you are a north star that you can always be going toward yeah you gotta have because if you don't have a vision if you don't have a destination you'll never get anywhere worthwhile you know you'll 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 just fall down and and for those you know this is for for all areas of your life you know if if you're someone listening right now and you want to get back to your health and fitness maybe your vision is that you want to watch your little girl finally walk down the aisle maybe you want to play with your grandkids without being out of breath yeah Yep. These are the compelling visions that will pull you through the diet, the exercise, and the training because you know it's worth it. But without the vision, you'll get burned out. Yeah, I think you, for myself, we're looking, you know, to have children, and you know, I'll be an older dad, and so one of the things I'm already thinking about is like, well, damn, I, I have to, <laughs> I not only have to be around longer, but I also want to be fit and healthy and mobile. Yeah. So it helps. So that might be the new vision. I, you know. But anyway, thank you. I'm digressing. Um, wow, you just keep <laughs> you just keep giving us gold, and that concludes part one of our amazing interview with Nick Santanastaso. Um, yeah, I'm just humbled. He's amazing, amazing. I mean, you you could just tell the story, and that's enough. I know to for me to say, hey, you know, if he can do this, you know, why can't I? Or yeah. if he's wearing a smile, well, yeah. But then on top of it, he's his mindset. I mean, great life lessons. I can't believe that he's 25, 25. I swear to God, certain people are touched by angels. I don't know. Oh, big time. We talk about this all the time. Big time. I definitely think there there are people like that because I look at that and I'm like, I mean, even in the part part two, I asked him a couple of questions and I'm still he has such like these evolved answers. And I'm like, but like, what? (laughs) What? It's he's incredible. Quality of life it depends on the quality of your questions Mm. i like the compelling vision part too i think that's really really special and then tools for reframing your mind um yeah it's incredible dirt road to happiness and highway to hell what a tony student do i'm like you were such a tony student he's such a tony student but Um, i like his approach like he's he's softer and i think it's yeah yeah 21st century yeah Oh, yeah, it's very special. Um, so you guys are going to love part two, too. Yeah, please, you guys. Part two, that's, he drops even more. In fact, I wouldn't. <laughs> some people probably wanted to strangle me. I wouldn't let him off. The, <laughs> I, I wouldn't let him out of the interview because <laughs> he just, every time we were going to wrap it up, it was like he yeah. just dropped more. Well, and I appreciated you were like, ah, 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 you can't just bulldoze over that. What did you just say? Yeah, he would. What did you just say? He's dropping these like these like gems and I'm like whoa back up for the (laughs) for the kids in the back room (laughs) yeah back up for the C students yeah 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 say that again a little louder um anyway Kels until then what until then you guys remember to be nice people make good choices and be present wow Winnie do you hear that (laughs) wow